Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Daddy, we've been sound checking. I feel like I don't even want to chat. I just want to listen to you play for an hour. Can we just do that instead? Yeah, absolutely. Do I get to crack on? Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, It means so much uh, no. just to be invited out of the house. And, I mean, we yeah. don't actually know each other that well, but I feel like you're an old friend. We, yeah. So all, <laughs> I remember Sunsplash Festival 2015... We were chatting about it was my first. You were my first, in, like uh, the first one to introduce me to like raw living. Okay. So I remember we had a long chat about that, right? And you were really good friends of Andrew, I think. Yeah. And um, Andrew Shong, and that was a that was a really funny festival where I got booked for this festival and I didn't know anybody. And then Adam Scrimshire, who was on okay on your show, he I've been working with him since 2010, and. Um, and his housemate Dave Cool was playing in uh, Andrew's, Andrew's band. band, and so was Wooly was there. And essentially, I I kind of got off the plane, got in the van, landed at the at the, at the venue, and um, it was like I'd it's like I'd uh, it's like I knew everyone there already. It was crazy. Right. I was so welcome. I was made to feel so welcome. Right. And uh, you were part of that, and just had a mad weekend of like you know, I think the late Phil Asher was there, and yeah, he and, was, um, and like he 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 was so warm, and he is, and yeah. just that was so crazy that whole week. I just you know for someone who who consistently feels like an outsider, um, to be made to feel really welcome, especially when you look at on paper as well, like I'm a folk guy turning up to a house music festival, <laughs> and uh, with a bunch of soul dudes, and it's kind of just like. You know, it was instant family, and so yeah, I've always, always remembered you very fondly. So that's it, instant yeah. family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So introduce yourself. Tell us about you and what you do. Um, so my name is Dowdy Matsiko. Uh, I am a singer-songwriter. Um, the closest thing that I think to what I do is folk music. Um, I borrow from a lot of different influences and my tastes are quite eclectic but essentially what I try and do is create um, emotionally authentic music Um, I didn't set out to do that it's just all I can do <laughs> I think you should just um, take the word try out though instead of try like that is right. like that's why I was like yeah please come and play live because there's just something so stirring and resonant about what you create yeah you know I um it, it music means so much to me in terms of um expression and we just talked to, I just mentioned I felt like an outsider and that kind of thing and all those all it's you know Every every problem I have, music has some sort of solve for it, more or less. Um, yeah, it, I'm very grateful to be able to do it. Mm. Music and cake. Oh, sound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah big ups. 
Big Solve ups. a lot of problems. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Chocolate cake. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's sort of me in a nutshell. I do love a bit of cake. Love, particularly <laughs> love pancakes. My, uh, my brother, Chris Boot. Uh, knows all about my pancake addiction. <laughs> but yeah. So maybe start tell us like how was your journey into creativity? Were you supported in your family, or were you surrounded by people who told you to get a proper job? Like, how was that journey into recognizing yourself as an artist? A bit of both, bit of both. Yeah. So um, it all started. Uh, with guitar, really. That was sort of uh, actually started with piano. Technically. Um, I had, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I, um, I tell it to everyone who, anyone who will listen, because I think it's so lovely, uh, what, how I started to play, how I started to play guitar. Um, my parents, uh, like we're, uh, Ugandans, uh, I'm British Ugandan and, um, my, my parents had sort of, sort of read and maybe decided that to have well-rounded kids, uh, they need to be able to play piano. So we have piano lessons, me and my brother and sister, I've got a big brother and a little sister, and they were both amazing at piano, and they really excelled, and my sister was doing all this classical stuff, my brother's on this jazz trip, and, and I was just struggling, <laughs> and I wasn't very good at all, and we had a great teacher, a guy called um, Richard Batty in uh, Cambridgeshire, which where I spent most of my childhood, and um, near a town called Ramsey, and, and, um, and he had this Les Paul on his wall, and uh and every every lesson I'd go in and I was trying to play like I think I did grade one or whatever, but I was trying to play uh Brian Adams Everything I Do, I Do It For You, that song, just when I was a kid. I must have I must have been like eleven, maybe no younger, maybe like ten. And that song just hit just <laughs> <laughs> I was just really obsessed with that song. I had that I had a recently I had a, a recently had that uh the same experience I did with that song with um uh bonnie rates uh i can't make you love me for some reason it just sometimes a song will just like just dig in and get under your yeah, skin yeah. anyway so i was trying to play everything i do i'll do it for you and I was, I was failing um and so every week i'd go into richard's house and i'd say can i have a go on that guitar can i have a go on that guitar and he'd say no and and it went on for maybe months and uh, eventually he was like you know what fine have a go and he shows me a few chords i pick him up and um and before we know it, we're having secret guitar lessons. And uh, it gets to a point where he's like, man, I've got to talk to your parents. I've got to, I've got to explain. I've got to, this, this, we can't keep doing this. And so, <laughs> so he, he goes around my parents for dinner and he explains to them that we've, had, we've been having guitar lessons in secret and that he thinks I've really taken to guitar and that he thinks I should pursue it. And then uh, my parents are kind of a little bit like, what? And, and they... They, they they say, yeah, cool, all right, you can do 50-50, guitar, piano. And then um, and then eventually it all becomes guitar. And then, uh, yeah, and and Richard's thing was that, um, and I pretty much started writing songs immediately as well. Like, that was the biggest encouragement. I don't think my parents fully understood, and to a degree, to an extent, they they probably still don't in terms of something that can be so, uh, so um, unfinancially rewarding. But I'm so committed. I don't think they quite understand the uh, what's gone on there. But um, for Richard and songwriting, it was like I'd, I wrote my first song about robots or drones or something, <laughs> and he just closed his eyes and nodded, oh. and um, 
And I remember just playing this song and thinking, no, oh, he's really into this. <laughs> <laughs> and he opened his eyes after I finished the song. He's like, nice one. Another, please. And, uh, and I just kept writing him. Aww. And I just kept, you know, that encouragement. And you're just a little kid at this point. Yeah, Aww. yeah. I'm not even, I'm, I'm barely 11, I reckon. And, um, and I'm just like, I'm just, ch- I'm just writing these songs. And um, yeah, that was, that encouragement was really, really uh, like profound. I don't have the word profound to use at the time, but it was what it was. Yeah, and so your parents recognised that you were passionate about this and you had a natural talent and they supported you in that. Yeah, they supported me all my life as well. You know, life for a musician is free, mm. feast and famine. Mm. Um, and they've they've been there and, and um, yeah, they've re- they really did support me. You know, and like at, in my A-levels, like I they did OK in GCSEs and all that kind of stuff, but I gigged all the way through my like later teens. And um, my mum used to drive me everywhere to shows and like um, Clowns Cafe in Cambridge for Acoustic Soul Sunday with uh, with all sorts of lovely people. And it was just kind of, um, yeah, so they they have been there. They have been there. But it did, it did uh, a lot. Of, <laughs> a lot of it had to do with as well is that I didn't want to do anything else. Like I've just, I've tried other things like other jobs and all this kind of stuff. And it's just not. It's just, I just, yeah, it doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. It doesn't, yeah. And, yeah. and especially because I've got, um, you know, my mental health and that kind of stuff. Um, I think following my intuition yeah. is, is, is key yeah, to kind of sustaining yeah. a healthy. So does songwriting just come as naturally to you as like eating? <laughs> but it it just, used to. It just, right. It used to. Sometimes it's hard, it's harder these days. Um, but it's more it, it's a hard thing to it's a it's a mystery to me songwriting still you know I've, i'm 35 and doing this been gigging since i was like 13 mm. and um and it feels like i'm starting all over again this mm. year it's sort of i had a couple of shows in um in april and may that just sort of reconfigured what i understood about music and my own place within it and and how i connect with audiences and that kind of thing um but the material itself um these days i am i am not quite focused on it at the moment in terms of writing what i'm more focused on is um like self-knowledge um because the songwriting part, like, you know, it, it's, um, that bit is, is, is intuitive and it's really fun. Um, but the songs that I'm really excited about go really deep mm. and um, it takes a lot of vulnerability and I'm mm. very keen on vulnerability. But I'm also incredibly scared about being vulnerable, mm. <laughs> and so I, uh, so it's a really like it's I get in my own way a lot, um, where like I'll I'll write something and I'll think, um, oh, I could be more truthful here, and and then and and that's quite a that's quite a hard um, hard taskmaster, mm. um, but yeah, so but I actually have started working on like another body of work. And I'm doing a few different projects at the moment. And um, yeah, there's, I'm still, I would say Richard, when I was a kid, to go back to Richard, my piano teacher and my guitar teacher, he um, he would do this thing with it on a, with his keyboard, like 88 keys on the piano. And uh, the low, the lowest note, whatever note that is. 
he would he was sort of right so here's the beginning of your career and he'd say here's the end of your mm. career and he's like where do you think you are mm. and so let's say i'm 18 in his in his studio and i'm like and i go oh probably in the middle Bing. and he's like all right uh all right well it's you know and, he's <laughs> and he was maybe what in his 50s at the time and he'd be like okay well i'm you know i'm such and such age um i'm like maybe note two or three on here do you want to reconsider your answer before yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not even on the piano yet. <laughs> Are you still in touch with him now? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he lesson just came... must be so proud to see you, what you're doing. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, he, you know, um, encourages, like, one of the things I try and do now more than anything else is, is be like him, you know, just in, in terms of when people come to me um for like either advice or just like want to show me some stuff or when I'm teaching I teach guitar as well right. and like um I try and just like you know if a student comes and's like I've got a new song I'm like boom all right let's do it yeah. I shut my eyes Aww. I nod my head and I say write another one right. and it's sort of you know it's kind of and that you know that just feels you know you never know you never know what someone will take from that yeah well maybe we can ask the listeners to Shut their eyes, not their heads. <laughs> Why you play something for us? What do you want to start with? Cool. Um, so I've got a track. I've got a new album coming out in January. So it's a little bit away. But uh, there's a song called Guilt, which is what starts the record. Is it an exclusive? It nearly is. Nearly. Giles, the reason, <laughs> the reason I'm actually playing it is, uh, not quite the reason, but the reason I feel okay to play it is Giles played it on his uh, on his show. About... That's all right. I can share exclusive <laughs> with Giles Peterson. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. So he played it on his show and I thought, you know what? It's out there now. So I might as well just, you know, yeah. Let's do it. Thank you. I've been keeping all these secrets. Each one with its own grip on me Guess I'm scared of broken pieces Scared of all the mess you'll see I 
get into with you because i know you're very articulate on this is like there's a there's a certain mental precariousness to being an artist right Mm -hmm. because you've got a you know you touched on it already this kind of extreme vulnerability in order to make meaningful music and music of substance you've got to go to some really deep and dark and and places that people don't necessarily like to go to yeah yeah so is is that something that just came naturally to you or like can you describe your process with that yeah um so i'm really committed oh okay yeah i am committed to um okay i'm a really i'm a big believer in the power of melancholy Mm. and the ability to use music to explore and sit with heavy things, whether it be emotionally, mentally, um, potentially spiritually, um, and um, and I find I find with myself like the the thing that I value the most in my the work that I do or that I have I've done because I think every time I think you have to also I'm learning to be loose as well and. Um, so I've got this album, it's called The King of Misery. And I had the title before I had the album. And so, and I, and it started off as a joke. It started off as like, I've got some sad songs. Someone's like, oh, you're the King of Misery. Actually, the artist who did the old does all my art, Stephen, came up with the title. And um, he actually came up with the painting as well. There's a painting that'll, that'll be revealed at some point. But, um, and he said he was going to title this The King of Misery. And immediately I was like, that's an amazing title. And I have to make something that reflects that. And I was already on that tip. Like I was, the songs I was writing at the time, um, I was exploring my journey with bipolar affective disorder and my journey with recovering from that, recovering within that. And because it turns out it's never over. (laughs) Uh, There was a period of time where I thought I might be out of the woods um, and it's just not the case. But um, it's a lifelong it's a lifelong thing you've got to kind of you've got to kind of uh journey with 
Um, but yeah, and I was sort of writing songs around that and grieving maybe for like a grieving for like a life that maybe that maybe felt a bit cut short. Um, uh, you know, like it kind of um, with bipolar particularly, it's sort of you kind of see your life going in one particular way and then you have this thing and then you think, oh, okay, I don't know what to do. Like in my lowest moments, all I could see was black, like just darkness. Um, and that was around the time I was writing those songs. <laughs> and so, and, but I, but I was so, when it came to actually making the record, so I wrote the songs um, and when it came to seeing it through, I decided to like self-produce and self-record all of these songs as well and um and I was really committed to the heavy and there were loads of times where friends of mine would be like you know you don't have to do this and I was like I know I don't have to do this but I really I don't even want to want to do it. it's a really weird word but like I knew I didn't have to but I didn't think there was any value in doing anything else and I couldn't well, it seems like you needed to. Right, that's like the a word. Kind of therapy, right? Yeah, to a degree, to a degree. I, it was. It definitely like I actually weird. Unfortunately, I got ill after making it again. Um, mentally, with uh, uh, it was it was um, it was a very somber experience. But it was. But there was a need for it. Like I, I did need to do it, and I, and I need these songs as well. You know, like when I, sometimes I'll have a gig and it'll be like a month away and I'll be like, oh, I won't play the tunes for a while and I'll be working on new stuff and I'll kind of forget. And then maybe a couple of weeks before I'll start rehearsing and then I'll be like, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> what are these? And you kind of, the words take you back in. Mm. And like I'm a big, I'm big on lyrics in terms of, weirdly, as a listener, terrible at retaining lyrics of other songs mm. but with my own songs mm. I kind of hold them to this sort of standard like I was um I hope you're not too scatty but I was like touring a lot with um Go Go Penguin back in like 2016 to 18 and um and I wrote there's a song I've got called For Me which is the last single that came out and um and that was a really interesting song in the sense that like it started off as a technical exercise I was like, what can I do that's impressive on guitar um, that will, like, speak to, like, a jazz audience, right? Yeah. So I start on this road where I'm kind of, like, doing all this kind of fun guitar stuff. And at a certain point, I was like, well, that's fine for what you're saying. And then it went off the deep end and it became this kind of exploration about my own um, vulnerabilities and frailties and the fact that I couldn't get past myself and I couldn't... Um, you know, it became it became a it became like a three part essay on like on like depression and loneliness and all this sort of stuff, <laughs> and a big reflection on my journey so far. And you know, and so it's quite funny. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I hope that's some sort of answer. Yeah, yeah. The music industry isn't known for being a loving place. It's do you how do you deal with? Um, like, do you ever feel like your pain is being exploited for other people's gain? Like, how do you protect your integrity in an industry that's known for being quite manipulative and yeah. exploitative? I, do you know what? I think so far I've been really well protected. So I've got people like my agent, uh, Naomi Palmer. Um, Naomi is, 
is um, she's she's been with me since like what twenty fourteen fifteen, and um, and she's never put me in a position that I've been uncomfortable with live. Um, also, just the community that welcomed me. So Naomi's part of that as well. But like you know, Giles played. I've got this song called Houston in the Blind. I might play that in a minute. And he played that back in like 2014. And that sort of what like launched me into the kind of consciousness of people like Serkan at Sunsplash, all yeah. those people. And like, um, and and weirdly, like the folk community, like the English folk community, um, were quite, even though like I kind of, that's sort of where I started interestingly, like kind of playing folk nights and sort of acoustic guitar nights, that kind of thing. Uh, I never felt very at home there. Mm. Um, and it's only now, we're kind of circling back and right. and but to be to be honest all my friends like you know scrimshire um dave core like everyone on that journey everyone who's sort of welcomed me in um has been really lovely and i felt very protected mm. um i've not felt exploited and i try to i'm also quite good at just not doing stuff as well like <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> um yeah, I used to be really worried about it. I used to be really terrified of like, oh, the music industry is this big, bad, scary thing. Um, and, you know, it's a, I think it's a different beast, perhaps. At least some, for someone like me and the circles that I've been allowed into and moved through, um, uh, the, general, the general experience has been one of, of kindness. Well, that's what I was going to ask is, for your personal journey do you not think about sales and trying to get gigs are you just totally immersed in your creative process because no i'm a massive hustler <laughs> <laughs> okay now um, the real daddy comes out <laughs> no what i mean by that is um what i mean by that is like no the the hardest thing the hardest thing i need to i need i'm working on personally is like coming to the realization that social media is probably like the the thing like the main thing to kind of succeed on if you want a long if you want longevity these days which is odd because it doesn't feel like it promotes longevity um but ultimately like the thing that gets me excited the reason why i do any of it well one of the things that gets me excited about this thing is connecting with people right and um i'm not a social media pro like i'm just i'm like baby teeth if we're on that piano analogy um i'm very much not even got one in my house yet like <laughs> and so um it's uh yeah but i do i do i do seek out opportunities like um i do um you know it's such an honor when people invite you places and um i've also been you know there's I've also got to say, like, even though I'm a bit of a hustler, like, in terms of just, I'll try and do as much as I can. Um, I, so much of it's luck. So much of it's just favour. But it sounds like that comes more from a passion for sharing than for, like, being concerned with trying to get the numbers. Oh, right? yeah, my, my bank balance doesn't reflect right. my, <laughs> my, my ambition or my... Um, so do you just yeah. not worry about that? You no, just... I do, I do. But I've just kind of committed to doing this. Right. So like, I've, I've sort of, I went back to being self-employed this year after the pandemic. Of I worked in a guitar shop for a while and oh, and nice. and, um, and did that. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for me in terms of I need to be doing 
I need to be playing all the time, really, and and writing and and um, and so if I'm not if I'm not if I haven't got a guitar in my hands, then something's not quite right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so that's sort of that's kind of so I've gone back to being self-employed and that's really that's a frightening prospect especially you know things aren't quite back to normal right. um, from the pandemic and and it's a bold move but I've I really believe that things I'm a bit of an optimist as well like yeah. a blind optimist yeah. like I just kind of trust it will work yeah. out um well it's been working for 20 years yeah you know <laughs> well like it all, it all leads to something like nothing's invaluable like I've uh, I do session work as well and so like I've started and that's like a that's an indication of like like that's quite a hustling kind of thing as well. Like I kind of I got offered I saw this opportunity to play for a band that I really love. Uh, they asked me to they sort of said I was in the running uh, a band called Do Nothing. Uh, they're based out of Nottingham. Amazing. I think they're more, they're one of my favourite bands um for the last like fifteen years, easily. Um and um they made this album anyway they were at a house party and they were like oh yeah um we've asked this other great musician to come and play with us but he's a bit busy with another great musician like are you interested and i was like yeah put me on mate <laughs> and so and that's been a real joy so playing with them has been been um incredible and really rewarding um but it did like i had to wake up at like 5 a.m every morning to practice the songs because they were like slightly above my ability well one of them one of the parts in that band is like i play piano and actually i'm not a very good piano player at all and like i just you know and so i had to i was getting up at five in the morning to learn songs and um and so i'm, I'm yeah i can i can do that and and um yeah so i'm kind of i'm just excited about this the future and i don't really um you know trying to understand what success will look like for someone like me i don't you know i don't quite know but i know that like you know this is like one of the most exciting times to be a musician um in the world right in the sense that you can have um a direct con you can have direct communication with your fan base right and um essentially have no have no middlemen have no right. one in between you right and um not to like diss labels or anything like that but the connection the opportunity for connection has never been what it's mm, been mm. and and i am thinking on that a lot at the moment and just like right there's this huge opportunity here to like to really to really connect and um and and yeah and if you can figure that out and that's the hardest thing to figure out how to translate what i do on in person at a show mm. um to online and that's like where my head is trying to like that's that's a bit i'm still struggling with um but i i just know that if i figure it out um that's gonna be a really joyous thing mm. and mm. it doesn't have to be this like draining thing where like um you know <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a you know it's got two sides. It's got two very distinct sides to it. There's this you know incredible opportunity, but also this incredibly uh, potentially quite harmful thing creatively as well. Like you know, I don't really like asking opinions of like I don't like I don't like I don't like direct feedback that much. Like I love the lovely bits, but like I always find the you know if someone slates me and it's like oh this person you know yeah. Like I've found bad reviews, <laughs> you know. I don't. I, it, 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 we're like anybody. If someone's like, if someone's like, oh yeah, yeah. that 
that jumpy awareness is very well, good. Well, when you you're go, pouring oh. your heart and soul into something as well. Yeah, and so... Yeah. Let's play another track. Mm. What do you want to share with us? Um, so I've got a new song coming out on the 23rd of August, so really soon. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, like a week. Um, and it's called O-M-O, so like little O, capital M, another little O. And that's basically, I got that out of the Brewster's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable. It's just like a primitive face. That's all it is, the face of someone. And, um, yeah, I felt like, well, I think when I wrote it, I thought it was a bit like looking into a mirror. Um, but essentially it's a song about feeling less than you were, like looking back and thinking I was better, and now I'm just this guy. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, there's a bit of whistling as well in this. I hope that's all right. All right, I'll whistle away. I won't go down. Yeah. All right. Don't feel as good as you used to. Good two shoes, they untied you. As the rift grew wide inside you. So you did what you had to And you have not stopped laughing Losing faith has got its perks Now death has chosen his victim Well he slept on all those corpses And he had to have the last word but it came out so much worse And you have not stopped laughing Losing faith has got its perks Everything seems to hurt worse Dig down deeper still, find dirt God, it didn't trust you Half with and half without you And your world split right in two And you have not stopped laughing Losing faith has got its perks Everything seems to hurt worse Dig down deeper still, find dirt And they have not stopped laughing Losing faith has got its perks Everything seems to hurt worse Dig down deeper still, find dirt
<laughs> little bit of fluff. That was some. That was at least it's unique. <laughs> um, can we talk? You were just touching on it. Can we talk about performance? Mm-hmm. And you're just touching on, you know, how it is to be received as someone who's highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Do you? How do you prepare for performance? Do you have like rituals? How do you get into that space, especially when you're touring? Because it's pretty stressful. Right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I've got to be quite flexible. Because I play a lot of different kinds of stages, and so I can't be like a proper diva. If it was like, if someone done like a headline tour, like I can, and I've and I've got license to do, to be like a bit to be a diva, <laughs> basically. So like, I love it when no Daddy one's allowed. Diva. Well, I love it when no one is allowed in the dressing room like an hour or so before and all that kind of stuff. Like I've had it before where like I played like Coco, and um, I don't know what I'm talking about when things go wrong, but like. It takes, so what I need to do is I need to centre myself and I need to be really calm. So uh, the best example of a gig going well would be like I played Great Escape uh, in May and I was really nervous. I didn't expect anybody to be at the shows. I, um, I just, you know, it been like, so the last official bit of music that I released was like 2017 and so, and even that was a re-release, so it was really 2016, 2015. Um, so I hadn't released any new music in a really long time. And I put something out in April and it had been warmly res- responded to, but like, anyway, Great Escape, you're, you're, there's all these, there's so much amazing music happening over this weekend. And so I was just like, look, I'm just so grateful to have been invited. It's going to be me, some schoolmates, uh, Naomi, my agent, maybe Scrimshire, and uh, that's going to be like 10 people, boom, fine. All right, cool. And um, and uh, so in the morning, um, I've been doing this thing where I just drink loads of chamomile tea. Um, there was another gig I did with Angeline Morrison where I just smashed chamomile tea all day and spent a really lovely time. Angeline's a folk singer. Um, she made a phenomenal record called Songs of Sorrow, Stories of the Black Experience, like a folk record about, about essentially about black history and it's uh, incredibly heavy, but she is the safest pair of hands I've ever met to deal with this sort of stuff, and also musically. And and I had this time, I had this time with her, and we played this show where I had like no tension in my body. And um, so that's the goal. So like at Brighton, I was like, right, I need no tension in my body at all. So I'm like smashing chamomile tea all day. Meet up with Adam in the morning, um, we chat shop for a bit and then we kind of just hang out eating these wonderful cinnamon buns and um, and then I kind of stroll to the sea, um, I meet up with Naomi, she takes me out for dinner and basically I just spend this day just like being really calm and just being really chill and um, you know festivals, it's yeah, yeah. So I get to the venue, I sound check early, and they let me have like a mad long sound check for you know, it's like for a festival, it's unheard of really. But I think it's because I got there really early, and um, I just sat in the room and just felt really calm, and and I just really wanted the songs to resonate with people, and I just and a bit of a sports reference, I guess, like where you leave it all out on the field. That's what I really, you know, a good show is when I leave it out on the field, and and. Um, and and it and it's not up to me how the how the audience respond um but in terms of preparation yeah it's like you know one of the things i love doing is like and i don't it's funny because 
the times so one of the things i love doing is um it's a bit of a nina simone thing it's like you get on stage and you just do nothing and you just wait for the audience to calm down and the room gets really quiet and then you play um not possible in every scenario so like like just like we out here just this weekend i was in bronzewood which is like a like bubbling, beautiful, bubbling energy, and people are chatting to each other, you know, getting amazing food, and so you can't expect them all to be like shh. shh. So, <laughs> but you can, so you know, so but um, in quieter rooms and in in sort of yeah, um, what I've, yeah, what I love doing is sort of sitting on stage and just waiting for the room to settle, and then, and for some reason that just creates a really power, and it just starts off with a powerful mm-hmm. moment. Um, and what was funny in Brighton, didn't have to do it. The room was like, it was funny. I went, I went, I went, uh, the, the act before me, I think it's Georgia Harmer, like this American um, singer-songwriter, really cool, um, in, insanely talented person. And I saw they had a great crowd and then the crowd clears out after their set. And then, um, and then I... So I walk, you know, it's really empty room. So I'm like, cool beans, me and my mates, big ups, let's have a good time. And so I go backstage to like get my cap out because I'd forgot it, come back out and it's like a 200 cap room and the place was like packed out. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I was so moved. And like, I think I cried a little bit. Aww. Like, And then, uh, <laughs> and um and like I didn't have to do anything. I was it, like this. This audience were just, you know, and it was so bizarre to me. Like I couldn't believe everyone was there for it, and and I was just, I was just full of gratitude. And that's actually the best gigs, where like you're not even thinking. You just, mm. you're just grateful mm. that people are, people are there. And um, yeah, it's a really special show. I think I cried three times during that set. Oh. It was funny. Like I got like a. Um, this always feels like a bit of yeah. I got like a standing ovation at the end, and and I think that's partly because of the stories. One of the things, okay, so the, sorry to waffle on so long. The the big thing about the no tension in the body is that it enables me to talk from a place um, of calm, and and that means I can speak on things that are really hard to talk about. Uh-huh. So I can talk about bipolar on stage, and I can talk about my experience of racism, and I can talk about like the heaviest stuff and um and I can just sort of like it's like a trustful with the audience uh-huh. do you know what I mean it's yeah. sort of they'll catch it and they'll catch yeah. me yeah. and I can be really like um even thinking about it, my eyes start going uh-huh. like I start kind of running up because it is it is a it's like a tr- it's there's there's a real there's a real trust between me and the audience they trust me and I trust them and it's a really um, mm. and in and in those moments something really special can happen. I think mm. it's hard to manufacture. Like it's it, like I have to go in with a really kind of like I can't be too judge. I can't be judgmental. I can't. I can't think. You know, oh, the riders like a pack of Fosters. <laughs> they've not got any. There's no kettle. Like what one do? I, no, I can't. I can't have any of those thoughts. I've just kind of got to be like these people are here. I'm here. Like what? What can we do together? And mm. and uh, yeah, this is what I said earlier. What I mentioned earlier about feeling like I'm starting all over again. It's like that that thing of not being judgmental. That's mm. probably the biggest ritual. If there is, mm. if that's such a thing, it's mm. like 
get into a place where I can be non-judgmental. And what about when you come off stage? How do you wind down from all that adrenaline? I can't imagine you being like, yeah, let's go and get wasted on the town. That's you know what? what? <laughs> Sometimes I want to, but um, <laughs> I've been trying to... Uh, it's funny. Um, cut to that bright that Brighton gig was really funny. So I had this, like, what felt like a pivotal moment in my, in my life uh, with this audience. And then cut to, like, 20 minutes later in the pub just with a bunch of mates just chatting about life just like oh we up to ah oh, doing this doing this and this sort of and i remember thinking how odd it was that i just i remember thinking i'm just sat in a pub now and i just had this like this massive moment <laughs> and it was just sort of like a very odd it was odd so yeah winding down i've gotten better over the years um i used to get very very excited and and luckily that calm kind of at least in my experience so far has been really consistent and it just sort of stays with me um for the rest of the night and i can go and mingle and all that kind of stuff like um yeah so it's not too bad is it important to you to meet the audience after i love it yeah yeah two reasons uh merch <laughs> and like you know cuz you got to pay rent and Especially in those moments when you get that connection, it's like meeting your audience. That's something you can't do on social media in terms of like, you can't do well. I don't think you can do it very safely. It doesn't feel great. But like, um, you know, just because, yeah, it, like uh, in person, it's like this this person's like, can I buy your record? And you're like, absolutely. And they're like, can you sign it? I'm like, yeah. When did you write a message? Or, and, <sighs> That like, and you all just have, or you just have a chat. Yeah. Like, we out here. Like, I didn't sell any merch at all, and um, it just, you know, festivals. You can't really. It doesn't always work like that. And but what was really special is I went and hung out with everybody. Right. And like, we always had this amazing time together. Right. And we, and so many people came up to me after, like, just you know, during the festival, like, oh, what's your set? It was really special. It right. meant a lot to me. Right. And I was just sort of gobsmacked. And just like really, and I think that that for, for an artist and for a performer, that's like fuel, you know. Like in in those dark moments where you're just like when you're in the wilderness, like particularly on that album that I mentioned that I've made, it's sort of there's so many moments where I was like, I don't know who's asked for this. This is right. this is too much, and um, and then having you know having those memories of, of mm. shows where people are actually like, no, 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 this is. Like we really appreciate what you've done mm. here. That 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 is um, incredibly fulfilling. Mm. I love a signed record. I've got a few here. Look, I brought some with me today because oh, I was nice. playing vinyl. But it, it serves like a a double. Well, more than a double purpose. But you've got like a souvenir. If you've had a really special gig, and then you buy the record at the gig, it's like getting a souvenir of the show. Plus, you get to listen to the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like especially with I love I love it particularly with like. Um, yeah, it was the last one I did. What was the last signed record I got? But the one I can remember is K Tempest. Oh, yeah. And like, uh, I was just, I turned up as a fan at like a record signing and, and they took their time with me and they were like, they, they were so encouraging. Yeah. And that was really cool. 
Uh, and I do a lot of bands that I play with as well. Like we do like record swaps and right. write each other like a little message, and right. it's like great to great to hang with you, mate, and see you soon. Like and all those it's like um, it's like photo albums. Yeah, you know, it takes you back to a place. It's like right. it's more than you know because records essentially it's cardboard and plastic, and it's like but that's not what it is. Mm. Like it's something else. It's like a it's a there's something really special about about these artifacts and yeah, like their treasure. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So um, <laughs> yeah, they're really. It's really special. Let's play another tune. Uh huh. How are we doing? How? Okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. Yeah. Cool. Wicked. I'm just gonna quickly change tunes. Sorry about this. Sorry about the, the delay. Um, this song's called Houston in the Blind. Um, and that was the song that first, back in like 2014, um, got me a job. <laughs> Again. 
about food but i feel like <laughs> love it <laughs> when so when you when you write a song like that is it when you're out of the dark space and you're trying to process it or does it come to you when you're in that space um that one that was a really interesting song is that i wouldn't have written it without encouragement as when i made my first ep uh, it was called A Brief Introduction to Failure. And uh, me and Chris Boot, another producer called Ben Daniel, and my one of my best friends, Ryan Buxton, all four of us are in this room together in Chris's flat. And they were like, oh, have you got any more songs? Like, there's something missing here, and this record. It was basically demos, and they're like, yeah. Kind of, these songs are all right, but have you got anything else? I was like, oh, I've got this one idea. And I kind of play it through, and they're like, you need to finish that. And I remember just spending the next two days on my own, just sort of, like, we all sang it together. There was a, there's a, on the recorded version, there's like a choral ver- uh, vocal that kind of builds and builds and builds. And we all sang that. And then, um, and then, yeah, I went off and did the lyrics, and like, yeah, I, I, sometimes it helps to be out of it. Or at least be out of like the worst thing about well, annoyingly, nothing's ever over. Like so, like so that song. I felt after that after writing that song, I felt that way again. Right. <laughs> and so like, it's not like I've solved. Right. I'm not like I've not solved depression. <laughs> 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 
tried. You yeah, tried. I thought I did it. I thought I did it for a moment. I was like, yes. Um, but it turns out, yeah, it's bigger than me, I think. But um, but yeah, and so like, you know, it, but it is interesting. Like sometimes if when I am depressed, really all I can do is play guitar. I don't really sing when I'm sad mm. and low. Um, I can play, but I can't really articulate. Um, that 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 is that's sometimes I think maybe too painful. Mm. Um, but either side of it, um, probably all right. Like it just depends. It yeah, it just depends. Sometimes, sometimes I'll get a sense. Like often, often the way I write songs, I'll come up with the guitar parts first. If I'm if it's like really that I've got fire about, like um, I've got a song called Darby's Dose which I wrote in a day and an evening. Um, and that was very like, I was, it was a mixture of anger and, and hurt and it was pain in that, but also like, a, it was a weird, it was, I kind of processed through the song and that, that doesn't happen to me very often, but songs like this, where like I have, I'll have maybe like a line and then a guitar part and I'll just think and I'll think and think and think and then it will come out. When you're going through things, is there a part of you going, well, at least I'm going to get a song out of this? Oh, uh, I was about to say <laughs> a swear word there. Absolutely not. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Cause can you imagine what a, chaos, what a chaotic person I would be if I was constantly like, um, what do you, like um, constructing situations in my life that I could either choose? Well, I can't imagine a D for hell. Well, actually I can, but like, that'd be, that'd be hilarious, but you'd never get invited anywhere. Be like, oh, we've got, we're going out for dinner tonight, daddy, but you can't come. Because <laughs> you're going to write a song about it. Yeah. You? Or you're just going to like create some mad hurt and then you're going to, you're going to write about it later and be like the kind of protagonist in this you know no okay um, so you made a nice segue for me there you go out for dinner so <laughs> are there any foods that you feel particularly support your creativity or support your voice you mentioned your caramel tea like are there things that really help open your voice because your voice is your instrument right? yeah teas are the one for herbal teas particularly i had a, I had a period of time where uh, i've got some funny stories like there's one particular time like i was I did this thing in Montreal, Red Bull, and like Thundercat was backstage and he was about to play and his band were there and I felt like this folk kid hanging out with these like giant, incredibly like wonderful Americans, but like they were just so big and like uh, in terms of their like, just their laughs, like sort of like the... Um, I forget the band member's name, but there was one one of the guys there just laughing. It was like a shotgun going off, and like, and I just I could feel it in my whole body, and I was just like, um, "Do you want some lavender tea?" <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him one lavender tea before the show. We all were like super relaxed, and like so that I love teas. Um, uh, in terms of foods, so the best food experience that happened recently. Um, I'm a meat eater, but I really. I feel deeply conflicted about it. Um, and so that's the kind of journey in one in terms of discovering like, um, cause one of the things, okay. So one of the things about my personal life is that I'm very, like I've got really bad eating habits in terms, well, in terms of whatever, in terms of eating. But, um, so like, um, when I, when I got ill, uh, when I say ill, uh, I experienced, uh, so bipolar, you go through like periods of depression, and then you might go manic. 
And then if it's really bad, you might become psychotic and experience psychosis. And so that the in 2020, I had a psychotic episode. Um, and that means you have to go back on strong medication and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it means you become, it slows your metabol- metabolism and you become very lethargic. So like there's a lot of ordering pizza, there's a lot of like junk food and you just pack on weight. It's like, it's like a, and the meds do that as well. Like it's all, all things work together to make sure you're like, you, you're massively overweight. And so like, I went from like 11 stone to like 17 and it's pretty heavy, but. Isn't that really bad for your voice as well? Like. Potentially. Yeah. Rebecca Hutchins told me pizza is the worst thing for his. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you know, he's probably, I, I, I rate Shabaka. I don't know him at all, but I remember, um, reading and listening to him talk about like touring and like carrying garlic and all this kind of stuff and i try and i try and follow that kind of stuff um but yeah i'm i'm uh i'm a pizza fiend unfortunately do you not find that it affects your airways uh yeah i don't eat dairy before gigs like any i won't you won't catch even a mozzarella thing before a show that's outrageous because it would just gack you up mm. um soup i'm a big soup fan um but the, yeah, the best gig eating experience was with Naomi. We went for this, um, went to this like vegan tapas thing. It was all really light, but really like satiating. Like kind of, it was really interesting, very flavoursome. I'm a big, I'm a big flavour hound. Like I'm not much of a cook. I'm kind of, in terms of, um, in terms of like self discovery, that's like one of the, one of the areas that I'm kind of getting back. Where was it? Where was the tapas place? Uh, it was in Brighton. In the oh. like, it was um, yeah, it was near the seafront. It was not. It was right next door. Uh, do you remember the fish bowl? I don't know if you ever. It's not called the fish bowl anymore. It's called something else. Um, it's like down from. There's a venue called Chalk. It's like in between the fish bowl and Chalk. Okay. So it's like kind of right on the seafront. Yeah, not quite right on the seafront. It's in that one of those streets leading up right, to it, but. Right. Yeah, if you uh, if you ask someone where the fish bowl is, <laughs> and then like they'll they'll think it's like literally next door. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's Ship Street. Quite possibly, one of those, one of those. Yeah. I used to live there, and I just don't remember anything now anymore. I used to live in Brighton. Oh, nice one. Yeah. yeah, it was a really special place for me. Um, but I got quite lost there. I think, I think I I I deviated from um, what I knew I ought to be doing. And I and I and I went down this road of sort of like music industry, right. um, like trying to work at labels and right, all this right. kind of stuff. And and while I love those things, like I do love the industry, like I think it's um, I don't what greater privilege is there to be like at the forefront of human expression. That's an incredibly pretentious thing to say, but like it's a really special. Right. When you think about it, it's really right. it's a massive honor to right. like help support right. a band or, you know. Um, but ultimately, I think what I really need to be doing is playing guitar mm. and and singing. Mm. <laughs> what about sleep? Are you precious about your sleep? Uh, more so now than ever. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the big things about my mental health is mm. that if I'm not sleeping well, mm. then I'm in the woods. And if I'm in the woods, it's like a slippery slope, you know. So I try and I try to do, I try to sleep really well, um, and uh, yeah, I try to take that quite seriously. Is that hard when you're touring? It can be, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I did like a full mega tour, 
Um, everything we're doing, we've got a big tour in, I'm doing a tour with Do Nothing in September and October. Um, and it's good. I'm, unfortunately for everybody else, like if I'm on the road of a band or anything like that, uh, I'm the snorer. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody else has a tough time, but I'm A-OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, uh, that's actually, I feel really guilty about that. But, but um, yeah, sorry boys if you're listening. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah sleep's really important and drinking as well like so alcohol um on my rider i generally have alcohol free uh this my, my, was the beers that i request kind of thing i love beer to death but it doesn't love me back and um it's sort of you know it's fine for a good time but if you're say you do like a run of 15 shows or something like you're a dead man like <laughs> it's you know music's one of the weird jobs like maybe in terms of what's on protection but music's bizarre and it's the only job that people encourage you to drink yeah. while you're working yeah and so um i try not to, i don't i just you know if well i depends if it's like one-off shows and there's a bit of recovery time it's like yeah i'll have a few beers but um, for the most part, if it's if if we have to be up early and all this kind of stuff. So what is on your rider? Uh, kettle. Um, annoying. I don't really eat them, but fruits and nuts. That was cause I, initially when I started working with Naomi, um, her and Earth Agency, they did me a rider. And it was just this mad kind of like, it was cool, towels. I love towels. I don't know why. Like, I, I do know until, until I'd like, um, sometimes you sweat on stage. That's that's why towels are really cool, and also I love like you can my hands get sweaty. And that's like that's kind of so it's kind of a towel actually kind of super useful. It's kind of odd when you see it on a ride. You like someone's asked for a towel, um, but then also some venues have showers as well. Yeah. and there's some like I think the Sage and Gateshead has an unbelievable shower. It's like this big wet room. Maybe I'm getting my venues wrong, but uh, but it's been a while since I was there. But um, so it's nice, nice to have a shower before a show. That's really cool. Best, best though, uh, I did a like a Scotland tour uh, with some good friends. A, a, a songwriter called Izzy Yardley and the band that organised it were a band called Evering, um, who aren't really a band anymore. It's, uh, Dawn Coolshed is the is the artist. She's she's could still go in. Um, but we did this tour all the way from like Helensburgh to Cromarty. And Cromarty is like in the Black Isles in Scotland. And like there's something really special about the air in Scotland. It's just fresher and purer and cleaner mm. and it's lovely. Um, but we went for a swim before oh, the show. Wow. And you could look out in and the see, ocean. Yeah, and wow. you could look out and see dolphins. And wow. it was such an amazing thing to right. just like, you know, I wish that was on my ride. Yeah, but. swimming with <laughs> dolphins before every Yeah, that'll be sick. But yeah, um, but yeah so tea tea's the big one and then if i've got tea i'm fine and then alcohol free bits those like i'm quite simple those are those are two things if they've got some some of my cheeses on the rider and it's delicious but you can't get carried away um so yeah that's kind of i think we just got time for one more cool track. what do you want to play for us i'll do a song called take me old it's another it's another older tune um this one i struggle to articulate um my it's so it's so sincere i struggle to talk about it <laughs> it's a song inspired by the kind of love i wish we could all have oh. and we'd all be lucky to have um 
and uh, it makes me feel very uncool when I talk like it about it because it's just like it's, it's a bit of, yeah um but yeah it, it came out of um seeing this couple who were going through um one of the one of the couple had Alzheimer's and um and I spent a bit of time with her and and it was just this um it was just an example of devotion and love right. that I um that I that just really I just yeah I, we'd all be so lucky to have someone in our yeah, lives who yeah. would be there for us yeah. during that time yeah and that's what that's what that's where it came from so yeah I'll play it Daddy, we've run out of time. Oh, such is life. 
I didn't ask my my best question. Oh, what was it? Uh, which is what is your relationship to your spirituality like? Oh, can you wow. answer that in one minute? Like, do you feel a present? Do you feel a higher power at work in your life? Yes or no? <laughs> yes, but and I'm, I'm say that the the big but the big but but yeah yeah. And I'm, I'm, we save that for part two. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like you? Do you feel when your music is coming through you? Do you feel like it's coming from somewhere greater than yourself? I feel like I feel like we're we're maybe all made of parts greater than mm, all of ourselves. Great answer. Yeah. This is why I love the question because everyone has a different answer. There's no right answer to that question. Yeah. I don't feel like there's like a direct line. I don't. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that clear cut. Mm. Some people think there is, mm. but I'm not. I've not discovered that for myself. Mm. I've I've got a very up and down relationship with, mm. particularly Christianity. I'm not. A, yeah, I've had a. That was that was a big part of my life for a long time, and it's not now. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy about that. Um, but there is something out there, I'm sure of it. But, you know, it could just be the fact that we're made out of all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be that. You know, and that, but even <laughs> but even that's mental. It's so, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll say, we could do a whole two out, we'll save that for part two. Tell us, where can we find you, what you got coming up? Yeah. You told us you like being on the socials. Yeah, yeah, so I'm trying, well, it depends on my energy for it, but, um, but yeah. On Instagram at Dowdy, uh, which is just D-A-U-D-I, like Audi, the car with the D on the front. Um, I've got a TikTok, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying, but I've not bothered in a while, but that will change. I could see you being a TikTok sensation. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, I could, I could. It's, uh, I've got no, do you know what's really exciting, but also kind of daunting? I don't know how any of this is going to pan out. I've got all this hope and ambition for it, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, dowdy.co.uk will take you to like a holding page with all my stuff on it. Uh, there's a website coming soon. Uh, but then gigs, just come see me at a gig. Um, that's the that's the best. That's that's what I, that's what I live for, really. Um, it, and so I'm playing Head for the Hills in Manchester on the first of September. Um, some other bits and bobs started around Manchester Folk Expo as well uh, later on in October, I think. Uh, come see Do Nothing. There we're playing Coco with Do Nothing. I'm not playing solo, but I'll be in the band. And we're doing Coco in September, October time, and Rock City in Nottingham, and all that kind of stuff. So that'll be really fun. That'll be that'll be that's really exciting. And that's one thing I miss about playing. You know, I do this thing on my own so much. Uh, playing with other musicians mm. is the one. It's so much fun. The <laughs> um, solo is exciting as well. But uh, and I adore what I do. But um, playing in a band is just like a joy that I, you know. Well, yeah, it's, a gift. it's been a total joy, Daddy, to have you here. Oh, Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. All right. Big ups. <laughs>